right, so before we start, Pat, I just want to ask our listeners something. That is, if you love this podcast, or even if you just listen to it, I need you to do one thing. Tell one other person about what we're doing and help us grow. It's super hard to grow a podcast, and you know, we, we think we're doing some, some really cool stuff here. If you do enjoy the podcast, please let other people know. Let your friends, family, colleagues, whoever it might be, let them know and, and help us grow. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention just before we start again is that last week in episode 15, you spoke about the sound cone. Um, so obviously that privacy in the office. And the week before that, you talked about an app that lets you crash or, or sleep somewhere. Well, I came across a new Japanese sleeping pod called the Giraffe Nap, I think it is, which actually combines your ideas. It's like a little phone booth sized office, I suppose, that can sit anywhere, but allows you to sleep in it as well. Sleep standing up. So it's just built in a way that lets you kind of crumple over and it it supports your shins and stuff like that. But yeah, it combines both your ideas. How good is that? That is perfect. I think that's really exciting. Sign me up. Did you order me one or? I, I did not, but I'll um I'll send you the link and I'll put it put it in the show notes as well <laughs> if if anyone else wants to have a look at it. <laughs> Awesome. It's pretty funny. No, I love it. Uh, do you want to start us off this week? Yeah, for sure. So, what I want to talk about today is something to do with anyone who shops online, right? Um, Dan, I'm not sure if you've ever been this person, but you're scrolling and you know maybe you're at some random e-commerce website or you're on Amazon or you're on even Woolies or something like that, like on a grocery store, right, online, and you buy something and by the time it gets to your house, it's just not what you expected or it doesn't work the way that they said it would work. And it's just like this serious... Is it buyer's remorse? Would you call it that? Well, I think that's the one where you buy something that you yeah you, that you don't want as, as opposed to it being damaged. But yeah, I think that's probably the right one. Yeah, buyer's remorse. So it's like you get it and it's not quite right or they basically completely lied, which I've heard of before. Or sometimes they just won't even send it like your package doesn't even arrive. So I want to solve this problem. Well, and the main reason you probably feel bad about that is because you've just given them your money. And I've been thinking about this and you're at a serious disadvantage when you're buying as the consumer online. It's like they basically have taken all of the power, right? You don't even get to look at it. You don't even get to feel it. You see some shitty photo that someone's taken and you have to just basically go off that. You might look at some reviews online and you know that's pretty much the end of it. And usually they have reviews underneath it. And it's like, oh yeah, because they haven't faked the reviews underneath the product. So they've taken all the power. I think you're touching on something that is inherent of the internet there is no trust and it's a massive problem that we we don't have time to get into now but you know if you think about the old barter times or even pre-internet where you could physically see the person that you were buying from and you could then use that to kind of consider whether you trust that person or not but in any case the exchange is immediate as well you give them the money or the thing and they give you the thing that you're buying online there is no trust because you can't see the other person the other person could be anyone you're interacting with the shop front and while you say the the shop has the power I think it's both ways because they don't know that you're going to send them the money either because what if you put in a credit card that is a fake credit card and it gets you through the shop and then they send you the product. So I think trust both ways and there are things like blockchain help with with trust online. Yeah. And for me, Web 3.0 and blockchain is, is kind of solves that trust problem, but trust is an inherent problem with the internet. Yeah, definitely. And that was a good summary. So I guess uh, not being able to 100% guarantee that my online order is coming or is exactly what I say it is, is the problem that I want to solve, right? 
I want to solve it with an e-commerce purchase escrow. So I want to start a company that is the escrow service for the e-commerce purchase. So when you make the purchase, the payment goes into our escrow account. We can't use your money, but we just hold it for you until you receive the item. And then once you receive the item and give us the okay, we send the money to the business. Yeah, sounds pretty straightforward. And obviously that yeah. that model is used in other th- like real estate purchases where you have that kind of conveyance of holding the money in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So it's just um, moving it to the online world. And so 30% of all products ordered online are returned. That's because people are not happy with it or it's not what they say it is. I had a friend tell me that they bought something off Instagram and it just didn't even rock up. I bought a shirt the other day and I was really excited about this shirt, this specific shirt that I had this style, like the bowling shirt sort of style that mm. um, I wanted, but I've always wanted one that's long sleeve, right? No stores online make this shirt. Long sleeve bowler shirts? Yeah, long sleeve bowler shirts. Yeah, seriously. And then um, I really found this one and it came back and it was made of like satin or something. And I was like, this is just, (laughs) I literally put it in the bin. 92% of consumers in a survey said that they would buy again if the return process was easy as well. So there's already companies doing this whole return process thing, but they're copying the cost of that. They have to return it all. The the consumer, I mean, is copying the cost of it is that they have to physically take their time out of their day to package something up that they bought and you send it back and it's a hassle with that. Who does that? It's like- you know, you have to be quite committed to getting your money back to do that. I think, you know, most people will just let it go. I think the products that are returned, and you're right, it's probably because it's not what they wanted. But again, I think in the real world, let's say it's a t-shirt, you can touch it, you can try it on, you know, it's the right size, you know, it's the right style and all of that stuff. With online, obviously you you can't see that. So you're seeing the picture of it, maybe on a model or as a picture of the product. And so potentially a lot of those returns are because you're right, they're not happy with it, but it's just because they got the wrong style. And so those returns probably still need to happen in cases like that. But you're right, there are other examples where they've been deceived or the shop is being deceptive or they're sending the wrong product or not sending at all. And it's probably less so kind of the more mainstream shops because obviously they've got a reputation to uphold. And we know these days that social media can, particularly on the negative side of things, can kill a business and just those negative reviews. So they are trying to protect that reputation as well. So it is probably more the, maybe the individuals or the the more dodgy, dodgy shop owners these days yeah but yeah absolutely yeah there's, there's definitely a segment of the market for it and just talking about actually implementing this i think the technology would have to integrate into the payment gateway somehow and getting businesses on board to let that in their store might be a challenge so to mitigate that i would have to sort of have a unique selling proposition for them you know maybe help them solve some pain points as well like potentially like an overstocking pain point you know once once you get it going you couldn't do this straight away but maybe like if their product gets returned maybe we buy it and we can buy it from them cheaper or something and then we'll deal with the return or something and then we can sell it as another revenue stream as part of the package deal of them putting that in their e-commerce store because they might not be inclined to put it in like an escrow into their e-commerce store where they don't get the money straight away like the business, right? So that just might be a bit of a challenge I just wanted to call out. Then in terms of how sustainable is this business, I think it would be quite sustainable. Obviously, I think e-commerce is, it's getting up there now, like probably 10 years old, I'm guessing, if the internet's 20 or 30. Yeah, and it's definitely not going away. So currently, I think last year, they estimated 12 to 24 million online stores in the world, probably much higher. If Instagram is one whole online store, I know a lot of people buy off that these days. So you can imagine how many transactions there is. So in terms of the business model, I'd want either a percentage of the transaction, very small percentage of every transaction that gets held. And that's maybe how you start off just for holding it in the escrow. Maybe we can't call it an escrow because of this business model, but there's also the float model, which is the same as an insurance company where we eventually, once we have so many 
customers, we pull all the money and then while we're holding all that money, we can use it for other things. Yeah. So we can use it either just gain like, you know, your 6% return or make an investment with it or whatever. I think that's probably the model. Yeah, the, the same way a bank works. You know, everyone has their savings and then those savings are used to loan out money to other people. And then, yeah, you're, you're profiting off the interest. Exactly. That's my idea, Dan. Very good, Patrick. Um, this week... I've got an interesting one for you. Uh, have you been hunting before? Uh, yeah, I grew up in country South Australia. I've been hunting, yeah. Well, this hopefully this idea resonates with you then. Uh, I have not been hunting. Seen it on many a show. I've played a uh, big, uh, what is it, Big Buck Hunter, the, uh, the the arcade game. But so <laughs> my idea this week, well, I want to start with the problem actually first. And there, there are a number of reasons to hunt animals. So obviously food or survival, help control overpopulation of those you know invasive species, eliminate pests if they're damaging crops or livestock or things like that or to protect and defend so there might be you know not here in south australia but wolves that you need to go out and hunt to make sure they're not going to come in and attack you but the one i want to talk about is recreational hunting or trophy hunting which is probably what you thought of when i said hunting which is good apparently over two hundred thousand animals are killed every year for, for trophies so the trophy hunting is where they kill usually a larger animal and then they we use it for taxidermy, so to stuff the animal and then put it on the wall. So, you know, like the, the bear arms or the lion head or the, the bear rug, those kinds of things. Right. So, aside from the moral side, obviously, it also impacts the species. So, their, their genetic health, their social health, um, and it can lead to corruption as well in terms of the, the hunting economy. And it's worth calling out there is a positive argument to hunting as well apparently it's a large source of revenue and that's often reinvested into conservation efforts and a bunch of stuff like that but i'm, I'm not here to get into that yeah I know, I know a fair bit about this actually so i mean <laughs> no i don't know what hunting you're talking about you're talking about game hunting there is game hunting but i mean just hunting in general and it doesn't really happen here north america is the primary area where this kind of happens but it's going out to shoot ducks or rabbits or bigger game i'm just talking about hunting in general where it's done for pleasure or sport there's many 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 positive reasons for hunting more than negative i feel like you just pitched that in such a a very left-leaning way i'm not for it i just think it was just absolute just propaganda <laughs> no fair, fair enough we're not here to talk about the whether it's right or wrong i but i had to pitch it that way to lead into my idea because if i pitched it in the positive way the idea is not as good oh okay you're solving a problem all right gotcha i'm trying to solve the problem and look, the problem is around i suppose the it's the moral side and obviously there are groups for and against so what i want to try and do is keep the entertainment and i suppose the glory aspects of hunting but in a more moral less damaging way right so and i know there's revenue implications and all that kind of thing from hunting but like i said forget about all that what i want to do and it's actually two different ideas but they're kind of the same thing and it's almost like one is the first iteration and then it would lead to a second version of it so the first is using augmented reality so using the glasses or the goggles attached to a replica gun. So the wearer will see the real world through the goggles, but then overlaid on top of that, they'll see programmed animals running around. So the person can shoot and you can make it feel like it's a real gun shooting. So you can put like some powder or something in there so that when you shoot, you still get the recoil and you still get that kind of action. But obviously there's got to be some kind of a laser or a, a programming or that kind of thing. So it's, it's almost like if you've played Pokemon Go, it's kind of like that, but for game hunting. And I suppose the difference here is... Should, should we start a games company? I mean, like we had an episode a few weeks back about Infinity Tag. You know what I mean? We should create a games company, Dan. We're, we're on fire here. Yeah, maybe we should. But so the difference with this one as well is not on your phone. So there, the Pokemon Go, and there are kind of hunting apps where you use your phone with AR. I'm talking about the full goggles. It's like you're out hunting. And I think 
think the military use this as well for training and things like that. So, so goggles with the augmented reality overlaid on top of it. So that's one. The second one, which was my original idea, is actual physical robotic animals, right? So it could be there's a different robot, like a different physical robot for every animal type. So you've got a robot rabbit and a robot lion. Just go with me. Um, <laughs> But I think from a buyer standpoint and from a more economical standpoint is one physical robot, whether it changes appearance or not, it doesn't really matter, but you can actually program it to behave like the different animals. So it might be, you know, like a, a shoebox size. Or have you seen those robotic dogs, like the Boston Dynamics Company, those kinds of things. So it could be something like that, but you can program it to behave like different animals. So a rabbit will run differently to a deer, for example. And then with both of these ideas, so whether it's the AR goggles or whether the physical robot, basically what you can do is you can program things like the difficulty you can have a beginner mode, you can have a super hard extreme mode, and it will change things like the speed, how agile they are, how they dart around. And again, with the physical ones, you've got a gun. It's not shooting actual bullets because, you know, these things would be expensive, so you don't want to damage it. So again, it's more of like a laser type setup. So that's the idea, robotic animal hunting. I'm not sure you're sold on this one yet. I think it's brilliant. It definitely speaks to me personally, the sci-fi nerd in me. I love it. Producer Rodney says, just like Westworld for animals and animal hunting, I definitely like the TV show Westworld where they have a, a town that you can go to and kill sort of fake robotic versions of people. Pretty dark, but that did cross my mind immediately when you said that. Yeah, sounds good. All right, so you're kind of on board. Now, look, I know that this is probably one of my further-fetched ideas, but let's, let's go through it. So I'll just talk through a couple of stats around hunting. It is a massive market globally. The hunting equipment and accessories market is 19, uh, it's almost 20 billion, and it's predicted to continue growing you know, over the next 10 years. There's about 15 million hunters in the US, and about 100 million all up, so about 40% of the population that do those outdoor activities, again, in the US. And again, in the US, those hunters spend around $2.3 billion on hunting equipment, so like guns and rifles. So there is definitely a big market, but the big challenge would be getting these hunters to actually use either of these things. And hunters will be diverse, but if you think about the stereotypical hunter, and look, this is probably perpetrated by TV shows and things like that. But, you know, it's it's male, skews older with traits and values that are things like um, a competitive nature, tradition, that ego driven kind of personality. So I think asking them to change into a new technology to do something that they've always done for so long, I think that will be difficult. But it's possible that younger generations who have grown up with like VR, virtual reality gaming headsets and more into the robotic side of things, maybe it's that next generation that is more into this style as opposed to trying to get the existing ones to change. I think the market is big enough. Feasibly though, to actually build this, I think both options would require a fair bit of upfront investment. The, the AR, the augmented reality goggle is probably the easiest. They can be bought through a third party and then it's just a matter of writing the software. Or potentially, literally, it's just the software. And so you leave people to buy their own devices. So effectively, like you said before, we're building a game, which people then need to buy the hardware themselves. The robotic animal, though, it's closer to the real thing because you're you're physically seeing something you're trying to hunt. But robotics that are that complex and agile are still years away from being built. But the R&D is being done. There are companies, like we said before, Boston Dynamic Groups, which are doing those uh, those dogs, which are probably the most common ones that people might think of in this kind of scenario. But I think the cost of those, even if you were to build them, even in five years' time, they're probably going to be cost prohibitive for a buyer to buy. If these things cost, say, 100 grand each, you know, that's that's a fairly big investment. Yeah, I think the uh, spot, the dog, Boston Dynamics, what's called, and darts, I think you can get them for like 11, 11 to 20 
20k us okay um and they're nowhere near as sophisticated as what you'd need for what you're talking about i think honestly i'm not really sold on the robotics i think i mean i love it but i'm not sold on the feasibility i think the technology just is not there yet i think we're very far away from it yeah totally agree although there is if you if you're listening you can log on to the australian defense force innovation website and the banner on the back of the website when you open it is you know a robot dog that walks with soldiers in war they've already have them in the army so I don't know. Maybe they have some some real deep R and D stuff that's going on that we don't know about. Well, I think defense, you know, defense in the space industry create a lot of technologies that we use every day now, and and maybe that's where it comes from. You know, it gets tested and trialed and used for training in military, and then over time it then gets commercialized into into mainstream. But you're right, and that's why I think the AR version is probably your entry point. It's how you could start, build up that audience over time, and then when the technology is ready, release the robotic hounds. AR or VR? I think you do AR, virtual reality. I mean, you could do a, a VR version, but I think with augmented reality, you, you literally, you need to physically be out in nature. And so you're walking through a forest and you can see all the trees. You can see everything as if you were wearing normal glasses, but then on the lens is the robotic animal. So it obviously makes it look like it's in the distance and then it's all tied in with your gun. So it'll work out winds and it can work out all that kind of stuff. So it's just the way it's programmed. Effectively a game, you could do both VR and AR. That's much cooler than what I was thinking, actually. I, I like that, that you're out in the forest. Yeah, love it. I'd play that. Yeah. So, look, from a viability standpoint, we've kind of already covered this. I don't think it's financially viable yet. Probably the, the AR version, you know, you could get there with that. It's, it's really just building software. But even that, building games like that is still a, a pretty big investment. So, look, th- this is one that I, I thought was interesting. Um, I heard someone talking about hunting in one of the podcasts I was listening to. And I thought this robotic hunting idea was cool. And then as I started digging into it, realizing that it's, it's probably not feasible, but potentially the software is the first steps and, and that would be the pathway towards eventually having robotic animals and then eventually opening up Westworld, Westworld 2.0. There's a scene of Westworld and the zoo gets, I'm just making this up. Imagine what you're saying is like, we have make a Westworld town and a zoo just gets opened up and all the animals run out to the forest and you have to go hunt them. Let me see. Yeah, cool. That's one of the games. I love it. <laughs> the robots, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's end it there, mate. I think that's that's good. So that's it. All right, see you, mate. See you.